0: Wrapping gifts, this is the Max Level Podcast. Welcome home for the uninitiated. Max Level is a weekly breakfast powwow brought to you by rpgera.com. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this morning, host of the Media Files, every single Friday. It is Kyle. Merry Christmas, Brian. Happy Hanukkah, Kyle. It has been a, a joyous weekend. I Happy guess. Happy
1: holidays. Most. The merry bells keep ringing. Happy, Happy Last Christmas to I gave you. I you my heart. These poor listeners have done nothing day. but listen to Christmas
0: music all month. <laughs> I know. On the radio, on our we podcasts. We had it on Media Files. We had it in Terrible. And now and we're singing we it. Now we're and singing it. that's all we're going to do. For the next two hours, Kyle and I are going to go back and forth instead of giving out awards, and we're just going to sing Christmas songs. And here's a little ditty from 1957. <laughs> Let me sing one by... Bro, uh, I'm singing... <sighs> let me sing one about my favorite Bing Crosby here, as we uh, as we get into a
1: little Mele Maka. Ooh, a little Mele Kalikimaka. That's become my like as people have been texting me the last few days, like Merry Christmas. I'm always like Mele Kalikimaka, and, and they're like what? I, I don't know why. I don't know where I picked that up from, but that's my that's been my thing this year is the Mele Kalikimaka. It's a good song too, actually. It's. I think. I think if Lindsay had been on Terrible, that's probably the song she would have chose. If I have to listen to Christmas music, I
0: tend to listen to Bing Crosby. To me, he is. Oh, the voice oh of Christmas. yeah.
1: Well, and see, I'm. I'm. Bing Crosby, Burl Ives, Nat King Cole, like, that era of singer definitely, like, personifies P- Perry Como, you know, like, all yeah, those singers. Frank Sinatra. I, I
0: sure, yeah. Uh, you know, those good guys that rocked out some, some good Christmas music. Those, those good old boys. boys. Those good old boys. <laughs> Special shout out to Akams laser for the majority of the music you're hearing today. I don't think he's done anything Christmas related. Uh, I wonder if you ever will at some point, like in a comms laser Christmas special spectacular. I'd listen That'd be kind of interesting. I'd listen to go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Remember we are on Patreon now, patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Head on over there, check out our tiers, see what we're doing. And, uh, shout out to the patrons that did vote in the polls that we put up over the last week for the RPG era awards. Your voices will be heard and uh, yeah, your, your votes counted towards our tally for today. So that's exciting. That's something you missed out on if you weren't a patron for this episode. Uh, and shout out to our current executive producers, Severin, Jexax, and Zenku. Thank you so much. Current executive producers though, gotta give that shout out, Sev. And welcome aboard, Sev. I don't think we mentioned it last week on uh on Max Level. Maybe we did, but uh, I did on Sev, Media Files, I think. Yeah, Sev now part of the RPG era crew, co-hosting Blood and Destroyers on an All Elite Wrestling podcasts with me. Uh actually him and I will be recording this week's episode shortly after you and I are done with this one today. So
1: fantastic. Yeah. Should be uh should be good
0: times. But this episode of Max Level is a little special, as you could tell from the title of the show. This is the one time of year where we don't do anything else. We don't talk about anything we've been playing. We don't talk about, you know, any of the major news that's going on. We skip over new releases. We skip over everything. And we mainly just focus on handing out awards to games that we feel deserve it And, uh, it's a lot of fun. We have 21 awards that we have been doing over the past few years. We've switched a few of them out throughout the years, but a majority of them have kind of remained the same in what we've, uh, what we've been come to, I guess, be known by, I guess, giving out awards for certain things like can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) That's my favorite one. It's one of my favorite ones. Um... I am excited to get into this and start talking about all of the games that we've played either together or, you know, the ones that I played and you didn't or the ones that you played that I didn't. Um, It's going to be fun. So to give an idea of the way that we're going to do this. Kyle and I are going to go through each category individually. We'll likely just go in the order that we revealed the awards. I think that just makes the most sense. It's the yeah. it's the order that I have them written down in my notepad anyway. So we'll likely just go in that order, the same order that I posted everything on Patreon as well. And the way that we are going to ultimately decide the overall winner and the overall runner up is by assigning points via a ranking system. So, we had four different ways that we gathered points for all of these games. Kyle and I each ranked all of the games for all of the categories individually from from worst to best. Number one always gets three points. So, whatever game you ranked number one for Kyle and myself gets three points. Whatever we put at number two gets two points. And then everything else gets a point. So, our lists. They do have a bit more weight than everything else. But that's for a reason. That's because we're on the show. it's the because we're the big voting, dogs. It's because we're the big dogs, motherfuckers. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> the patrons and anybody on staff that chose to vote, because we opened it up to every staff member as well to lend their, uh, lend their thoughts. And we also did the same on Patreon. Anybody that voted, that counted as one point. So there were some categories on Patreon where, like, three people voted. Well, I took all three of those and, you know, they were one point each and I divvied them up accordingly to the games. So if somebody put, like, two points on on one game and one point on another, well, that's, that's what we did. And then the same thing with staff. Whatever they voted for was also a point. So as a time of recording, as we sit down right now, I already have all the points calculated for the patron voting, for staff voting, and for myself. What we'll do when we reveal, I'll go first since I already have that done. Kyle will go second. While he's going, I'll plug in the values, and that'll give us the winners and the runner-up for each category. But you'll know which one, like, was my number one, because it'll be my number one, and which one is Kyle's number one, because it'll be his number one. And there is a good chance that that doesn't line up with what actually wins. Right. (laughs) Right. much like Thunderdome it's not always the uh the number one
1: game or whatever that tends to win. No, there's a there's a cumulative effort that goes into deciding these and I think that's how it should be really, right? Yeah, it's not just my opinion, it's not just your
0: opinion, it's it's collective opinion, but allowing that, I guess a little bit more weight since we are the hosts of the show and sure. we have played 90% of these games. Absolutely. Individually. Yeah. So we can definitely speak on so many different things about them. So, I'm excited to get into this episode. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to see what wins our game of the year, but we have to wait till the end of the show to get to there. So, uh, let's kick things off. Let's get started. Let's do it, baby. Let's start the RPG Era Awards with Best Action Game. If you remember, our four nominees were Scarlet Nexus, Lost Judgment, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Back for Blood. Revealing my rankings for these... In the number four spot, I put Scarlet Nexus. In the number three spot, I put Back for Blood. Number two is Lost Judgment for me, and number one is Marvel's Guardians of
1: the Galaxy. All right, now do I go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. Number four for me, and I don't think this is going to surprise anybody who listened to the Thunderdome episode, I got Lost Judgment down at number four. Number three, Back for Blood. Number two, Scarlet Nexus. And number one, Guardians of the Galaxy. All right. And that actually gives us a definitive answer here too. And I've been really turned around <laughs> on Guardians of the Galaxy recently. I've I've put quite a few hours into that and I've had a blast with it. It is it is an amazing game. I will it's be really finishing fun. it the day that we're recording the show.
0: I am on chapter fourteen of sixteen, so I am at the end of the game. I just have to go through and, and do the last stuff and then I'm heading towards the final boss fight. So I will likely have that finished here in the next few hours. But our rankings and yours definitely gives us a a clear picture of of the winner of this category. So, with three points apiece, we actually have a three-way tie for runner-up. Back for Blood, Lost Judgment, and Scarlet Nexus all ended with three points apiece.
1: All right. Grats to the (laughs) runners-up. Yeah,
0: grats to all three runners-up. But that leaves Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy as the clear winner of best action game this year with eight points. Deserving. Yeah, eight total points. So, it, it blew the rest away. Um, and I do think that this will be one of the better games remembered from 2021. It's not in our like official game of the year list at the end of the show, but it could have been. It definitely could have been.
1: I think. I think it had a strong chance of it. And it's like I said, it's a really, really fun game. I've been enjoying. I don't. I. There are definitely things about this game that I would change. Going oh yeah, it's not know. a perfect ten. It's not right. a perfect ten, Definitely or not a not. perfect
0: nine, or anything like that. I think I would somewhere, you know, at an eight or eight five, maybe. I, I yeah. have enjoyed my time with it. There, there were some complaints. Obviously, you know, it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going into it. It didn't have as many RPG elements as I was thinking it was going to. Right, but what it ended up being was a damn good action game. And a damn good set piece game that reminded me a lot of Uncharted and Jedi Fallen Order.
1: Yeah, it kind of settled around that 82 range on Open Critic, where I think was a solid spot for it. And not a bad spot either for something that is
0: original, right? Like, this isn't based off of anything we've seen in movies. This isn't based off of anything we've seen in comics. This is the studio making something completely fresh and completely original in the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. And from what I understand, there is an after credit scene, much like the movies, that kind of gives a a hint that there's more to come. Oh, snap. So it is it is worth sticking around to see what they do after the credits because they kind of treated it like a movie. That's kind of (laughs) nice. But uh, I I think I I could just tell anyway, like this isn't a one and done game. There's going to be. Oh, sure. Yeah, there will absolutely be more. And I can't wait. I will play it when it comes out. Award number two, Best Adventure Game. If you remember, our nominees were It Takes Two, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, Eastward, Chicory, A Colorful Tale, and Psychonauts 2. For my rankings in the number five spot, I put Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Number four was Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. Number three, It Takes Two. Number two, Eastward.
1: And number one, Psychonauts 2. All right. Number five for me, Chicory. Number four, Kenna. Number three, Eastward. Number two, Psychonauts 2. And number one is It Takes Two. All right. And that actually gives us
0: a definitive winner and a definitive runner-up. I actually like that a lot. So your runner-up for Best Adventure Game is Psychonauts 2. And your winner is It Takes Two. All right. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. It Takes Two had six points. Psychonauts 2 had five points. Eastward had three points. Kenna and Chicory each had two points
1: apiece. Very good. And those two points came from us. They did. (laughs) (laughs) They absolutely did. But that's Yep, nobody else voted for Kenna or Chicory, but that's okay. You know what? I think that this is probably the strongest category of the entire year. Also, I think the adventure games really kind of soared this year.
0: Adventure games definitely dominated 2021 in terms of output. Um you know, a lot of other games could theoretically qualify under an adventure tag, but maybe they had some sort of other elements as well. Right. Where, where it didn't quite just, you know, be an adventure game or whatever. The reason I put Psychonauts two at number one, it takes two, obviously one of the only games on this list that I still have not played this year. And I know that's unfortunate, but I didn't let that take away from the fact that I know it's a good game, and that I know I would enjoy it. So I still ranked it accordingly, but I just can't say that, man, I liked this better than Psychonauts 2. It's my number
1: one game, yeah.
0: Yeah, because I haven't played it. Whereas... I really, really fell in love with the narrative and the gameplay that Tim Schafer and Double Fine did with Psychonauts Two. They absolutely. I thought it was such an incredible game, and I have that's a game, another game that I've not finished. That I that I likely will before the end of the year. I'm trying to make a push to at least finish 30 games by the end of this year, since I set my goal so high at 60, and I'm no, I'm going to come nowhere near close to it. I would like to at least hit half. You, you got go closer still. to the 60 than I did. You got closer to that 60 than I did. I'm And I'm not done. I think there's one or two I've got left before the end of the year. We'll see. Yeah, you're going to beat more games than me this year. Wow. That should be my goal is to try to catch you and beat like one additional game than you.
1: Whoever beats more games takes over RPG era for good. I mean, every, every year.
0: They're, they're the leader for the next following calendar year. year. <laughs> That'd be crazy if we did that. Um, yeah, no, I, I fully expect you actually to end the year with more beaten than me. Aren't you at like 32 or 33 right now?
1: I'm at 33 or 34. I could check yeah, real quick. You're at 34. Pocket okay. dungeon was your number 34. Nice. I think I have one or two left before the end of the year. I could. Yeah. I've got, so I've you got might, at least You might one be left. at
0: 35 or 36. I'm going to try to get to at least 30, I think. 26 for me. Will be Guardians of the Galaxy when I finish it today. Nice. So I need at least four more in the next week. If I can get ten more, I'll catch you. But there just ain't no damn way. <laughs> Dive down into that issue bundle. You'll find. Some. I know. I'll find. I'll find a couple thirty minute games in there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Your best adventure game. Uh, it takes two. I think that is the appropriate winner. Let's move on to best role playing game. We had four nominees in this category: Tales of Arise, Ease Nine, Monstrum Knox, Shimigami Tensei Five. And bravely default two. In my number four spot, I put bravely default two. Number three, Shimagami tensei five. Number two was ease nine monster Nox. and number one is tales of arise for me. And for me, Brian, ditto that entire list. Yeah, I had a feeling that that was going to be pretty similar. Yeah, um, that just makes the most sense, and and it does give us a, a clear winner as well. And it it is not a category that I thought would be super decisive. Your runner up. With five points is Ease Nine Monstrum Nox, and your winner with eight points is Tales of Arise.
1: And I think that's the rightful winner here. I think anybody that's into JRPGs would have a hard time arguing that one. Dude, Tales of Arise completely caught me by
0: surprise. I was not expecting it to be as revolutionary for the Tales series as it was. It completely changed so many aspects about the series. It opened up more stuff. It, it it simplified a lot of things that made Tales confusing to newcomers. And I feel like in doing so, they set a formula for themselves to take this series now into the next generation where, you know, they're they're pushing for these high fidelity graphics and and crazy moments. They're in that spot now. They're ready to do it. Yeah. And before they never were like Tales never had a all of that stuff going for it. That that was more reserved for like Final Fantasy and you know the bigger budget JRPGs. Tales was never a bigger budget JRPG. This one feels like it was.
1: Well, I think too with growing dislike of the way that Final Fantasy has gone over with the exception of Final Fantasy 14 as being like the number 1 MMO in the world, but Which is why people should be excited for 16 because it's the 14 team yeah. Making in a single-player full think be, I think it's going to be great. I still like the Final Fantasy games, I do but too. there Love has them. been a growing kind of separation between those who do and those who want kind of that classic experience, and I think that's where that Tales series falls into for a lot of those fans that want a little bit more of that classic JRPG feel. Yep. I will be curious to see
0: now. You know, Bandai Namco just released a survey not too long ago in regards to Tales And some of the questions were like, which older games would you like to see us remaster next? And it had like pretty much every game that they've not yet put a remaster on. I'm hoping that they take the results of that poll. And actually, like, announce a Tales of Symphonia remake or remastered collection or, like, a Tales of... Dude, even just, like, a Tales of Eternia or something like that. Something from, like, the PlayStation 1 era. Getting a modern release would be insanely freaking cool. I hope they do something like that next. Just because we're going to need time, right? Like, we're going to need a a decent amount of years to get the next mainline Tales game if they stick with this formula and, and this model. So... Tales of Whatever is likely not going to release until 2025 or 2026. In that time frame, we'll likely get a remaster or two, which should hold fans over. And I'd be okay with that. I would. Oh, sure. Uh, But yeah, Tales of the Rise, best role-playing game for the RPG Era Awards 2021. Best fighting game was next. We had three nominees, Guilty Gear Strive, Melty Blood Type Lumina, and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. In my number three spot, I put Melty Blood Type Lumina. In my number two spot, I put Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. And in my number one spot, I put Guilty Gear Strive.
1: You know, for a lot of these categories, Brian, I think me and you are (laughs) a lot the same in how games are received and just how how good games are. That's my same list. Melty Blood, then Nick, and then Guilty Gear Strive. And I think you'd have a hard time arguing that there is any fighting game that's as good as Guilty Gear Strive this year. Guilty Gear Strive. And
0: Guilty Gear always is great when it releases. Oh, yeah. But Guilty Gear Strive, I think, really was the standout fighting game of, of 2021. Seeing people play it on Twitch, you know, getting to jump into it a little bit myself. I didn't put a ton of time into Guilty Gear Strive, but I did play some of it. I played all three of these games for, for a brief amount of time. I actually probably put the most time into Melty Blood just because I have it on Switch and it is so much like a, a old school feeling fighting game to me. But Guilty Gear Strive is, is clearly the better fighter when it comes to mechanics,
1: when it comes to everything, how it looks, how it plays. Um, and it's not it's not the fighting game I've put the most time into. But no, it's yours the is one, definitely All-Star Brawl, I, I would yeah, assume. But it's definitely the one that I recognize as the better game and, and is much more polished, much cleaner, insane soundtrack, really good graphics. Everything about this game was just perfectly nailed by that team. Uh, for, the, for the official rankings, that leaves us with the
0: runner-up is Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl with five points, Good, and then the winner, obviously, with eight points is Guilty Gear Strive.
1: And so. it, it deserves it, I gotta say. That's the only one that I think really deserves that here. I do gotta say, though, with Garfield being added as a character to All-Star Brawl, and they're working on voice acting, I think that's a game that is gonna continue to improve as as time goes on.
0: So when voice acting comes in, will it be Lorenzo Music as the voice of Garfield? Will they use old
1: clips, or will it be Chris Pratt? It's going to be Chris Pratt for the voice of every character in the game, actually. Um, he's, going doing, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he's going to be doing Aang and Cora. It's going to be insane. SpongeBob, so Chris again. Pratt. I don't, know, I, I don't know that you'd ever play it at that point. <laughs> How could I not?
0: I'm <laughs> just hearing his impression of, of SpongeBob and everything. Yeah, I don't know that I would. Uh, I don't know that I would enjoy that too much. But hey, maybe next year we'll have him in our um, voice acting category as the voice of either Garfield or Let's,
1: you Mario. know what, or the voice of the entire Game Awards. He just takes over. It's just <sighs> <laughs> and I. Everybody thinks I hate Chris Pratt. I don't hate Chris Pratt. I'm just tired of him. You know what I mean? I like I I liked Chris Pratt a lot back during like the
0: Parks and Rec Parks era. and Rec
1: into Guardians of the Galaxy.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Really great era. That was the golden years and then of Chris it just, Pratt. And then
0: it just got oversaturated. But
1: That's, that's what always I'm what
0: happens. That's always what happens. Is that is that Hollywood Hollywood latches on to somebody? Jennifer and Lawrence. They become, yep, they've just become too much
1: at that point. I'm really hoping it doesn't, ha- and and they have escaped doing that. They did it with Oscar Isaac too. Oscar Isaac, I feel like, is in everything. Timothy Chalamet, he's in everything. Like these these actors, just get way overused, and you just get tired. And Chris Pratt, you get tired of seeing him. Uh, some of my favorite actors, they've not done that with yet. I'm I'm growing really fond of Haley Steinfeld, especially after watching Hawkeye on Disney Plus. She's so great. I'm hoping they don't just blow her up into. Little Every single little thing. A couple years from now, you'll be saying the same thing about her and uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. You'll hate them both. Yeah. Anya Taylor-Joy is (laughs) kind of moving in that direction, but I like her still. She is is in a lot of movies now. (laughs) She's in everything, man, but she's really
0: good. Yeah, she definitely is. Uh, Best Family Slash Party Game was our next category for the RPG Awards 2021. We had three nominees once again. New Pokemon Snap, WarioWare Get It Together, and Mario Party Superstars. For number three... I put WarioWare Get It Together, number two, Mario Party Superstars, and number one,
1: New Pokemon Snap. All right, my list is going to surprise you here, and and on a personal note, I want to say that New Pokemon Snap was one of my favorite games of the year. Um... I, looking back on this year, if I had to rank personally my games this year, not best games, but, you know, just for me, New Pokemon Snap ranks really, really high. Uh, That being said, when it comes to being a family or party game, I've got WarioWare at number three, New Pokemon Snap at number two, and Mario Party Superstars at number one. Okay. I actually, uh,
0: I actually like that a lot because it, it doesn't give us a, a clear answer. It actually oh confuses things a bit. But that's okay. That's okay. That's what I'm expecting for some of these categories that were insanely close coming into this and just needing your rankings. Uh, we have a, a tie for runner-up. So with five points apiece is both WarioWare Get It Together and New Pokemon Snap. Okay, so your winner of best family slash party game for this year is Mario Party Superstars.
1: You know, I think just as a, as a redemption story for Nintendo 2, after, after bungling Super Mario Party so bad, they really pulled it together for Mario Party Superstars and pulled a lot of that nostalgic Mario Party feeling back into it. And obviously they're using old boards, old mini games, but this is, I think, the Mario Party game that everybody was asking for. Yeah, and it's still
0: one of the only games on this list that I don't own yet and that I've not had a chance to play. Right. Like, I have it on my list to buy when I do get the extra funds. Unfortunately, as we know, and especially when when their new releases, Nintendo games rarely go on sale. I think it's actually $5 off on Amazon right now for $55. Uh, it may have been discounted a little bit during the Black Friday era and, and recently leading up to Christmas, but I didn't have the extra funds to pick it up. I will likely try to grab this sometime within the first few months of next year when it maybe dips down to like $40 at some point because I have a feeling it will at eventually. Yeah. But I do want to pick this up. I want to play through the remastered boards. Uh, Horror Land from Mario Party 2 is still one of my favorite boards of all time. And the fact that they redid that one, um, you know, I, it's an instant buy for me at that point. <laughs> and it has the, the, the mini games like... The Mario Party game that released on 3DS, like Mario Party, the top 100 or whatever it was called, right. it has all of those amazing minigames that people voted on that were their favorites just baked in as like the, the games that they chose for this. And I think that was really intelligent.
1: I think it's a game I'll probably pick up and own eventually as well, just in terms of what... The, the play value that I can get out of it with my family and my kids, it, it it's a no-brainer. Yeah, definitely. And it would
0: be a lot of fun to, uh, you know, I know Frank owns this, so it would be a lot of fun to play together and steal oh, yeah. stars from him and make him look terrible, like his show. Terrible. A horrible, no good, very bad podcast, which you can find on podcast services now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best sim slash strategy game. If your ranking is, is anything other than the way that I have it, I will be shocked. Your three nominees are Humankind, Age of Empires 4, and Inscription. And my number third spot is Humankind, number two is Age of Empires 4, and number one is Inscription.
1: Yep, ditto here.
0: Yeah, I had a feeling, and honestly, uh, most of the voting across Patreon and in the staff channel went the same way. Your runner-up with five points is Age of Empires 4, and your winner with nine points, the most so far on today's uh, award
1: show, is Inscription,
0: best sim slash
1: strategy game for this year. I don't know I don't know what more we could say about this game that we haven't already. This game is... Without giving it away. Exactly. We, we, we talked as vague as we possibly
0: could a few weeks ago on the show, and we discussed it, and anything more... Is likely going to start giving things away about this
1: game. A game you should play and experience for yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely recommend it. Uh, it's not expensive. It is a decent length for, for what it is. Like, I kept thinking it was going to be over and it wasn't, so... They, they actually baked a lot of this, you know, a lot of content into this. And if you really want to get into it, there's even more to look up and find afterwards. So you can you can dive into the, the lore of inscription for hours and days. and Oh, yeah. Really still not get enough. <laughs> so wild. So wild. What a cool surprise too, because it wasn't something that I thought would, you know, even register. Well, and I'm happy for anything. that team
1: too. A smaller team who's made a few games in the past that have never really gotten huge, but this one I think really put them on the spotlight. This game is winning game of the year at multiple places. Rock, paper, shotgun, polygon. A lot of places have given this their, their game of the year award. And that's not something that I would that I would argue against. No. Like it's I it's either. up for
0: ours. It's up for ours. You know, we have it in the running, so it could it's potentially be really, here, really too. really, fantastic game. You never know. You just never know. But yeah, Inscription, your best sim slash strategy game for 2021. Next category, best sports slash racing game. We had six nominees. One of the only categories where we had uh, six nominees this year. I think it was just this one and Game of the Year were the only two that actually had six. Everything else was five or less. We had MLB The Show 21, Knockout City, Mario Golf Super Rush, NBA 2K22, Forza Horizon 5, in Riders Republic. In my number six spot, I put Knockout City. Number five, Riders Republic. Number four, NBA 2K22. Number three, Mario Golf Super Rush. Number two, Forza Horizon 5. And number one, and they will be the show 21. Oh, you and the show. <laughs> Dude, I literally put over 150 hours into that game this year. If not more. It. It is by far one of the most played games, if not
1: the game that I played the most in 2021. For me at number six, I've got NBA 22. Number five is Knockout City. Number four, The Show 21. Number three, Mario Golf Super Rush. Number two, Riders Republic. And number one, Forza Horizon 5. That works great because that gives us a definitive answer. Your runner-up
0: with five points is MLB The Show 21. And your winner... With eight points, is Forza Horizon 5.
1: Oh, right. You and know, I th- think
0: that's 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 the right... I mean,
1: either one of those two. That's the right call. I had them in my number one and number two spot, respectively. I agree. And and I think that Forza Horizon is the one game out of this list that I'll probably be jumping into for some time. Kind of going Forza back Forza Horizon to-
0: was also very popular on Patreon voting.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it and, up, and for I good think, reason. two or
0: three two or three points right from there. So
1: It's really good, man. And I still jump into it. I still play it and I think I'm I'm going to jump into it from time to time for months to come.
0: Yeah, it's a game that I finished uh a few, you know, like a week or so after it came out in terms of the campaign, I guess, if you want to call yeah. it that, like the overall main story missions of unlocking the stages and doing all of that stuff. Right. I did all of those. So all I have left are, you know, basic races and and trying to get more stars and just leveling up and progressing. So I'm at a point now where I'm not playing as much Forza Horizon 5 as I was initially when it released, but I still do jump in once or twice a week and do a couple races whenever I'm bored. board. It's very fun. If I've got nothing else to do, it's easy to load up and it's easy to get out of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a few minutes to do a
0: race. Yeah. And it's Game Pass and it'll always be Game Pass. I can't imagine that anything Microsoft published will ever not be Game Pass. Exactly, yeah. So so it'll always be there to jump in and jump out whenever you want to. I can't imagine that I'll uninstall it, because usually I uninstall games when I finish them. I can't imagine this is one that I'll uninstall anytime
1: soon. Yeah, I was getting rid of games the other day, and I'm like, nah, that stays for a long time. Yeah, I cleaned up a lot of space. I actually, because I
0: wanted to install Mortal Kombat 11, On Game Pass. Ah, Gotcha. You know, I I did play it when it came out on um, on PlayStation. Initially, I rented it, um, went through the story and everything. But now I'm actually going to try to unlock some things, I think, with the Game Pass version. So should be fun. Uh, but yeah, your best sports/slash racing game for this year, Forza Horizon Five. Moving on to best platforming/slash Metroidvania
1: game, we had. This was my nominees. hardest. This was my hard, hardest category this year. Hardest ranking this year. I can't. I can't wait to see how you did this one. For this me, it was a, pretty. It was easy. impossible. For me, it was pretty easy.
0: Uh, the four nominees are Super Mario 3D Road plus Bowser's Fury, Axiom Verge 2, Psychonauts 2, and Metroid Dread. You're gonna hate my rankings, unfortunately.
1: I, you know, we're,
0: we'll see, man. I don't know. Number four for me is Axiom Verge 2. Number three is Super Mario 3D Road plus Bowser's Fury. Number two is Psychonauts 2, and number one is Metroid Dread.
1: Brian. We're pretty close, buddy.
0: <laughs> I thought you would hate my list. You have number I, four and three you, mixed was,
1: around, don't you? And this is, again- You have this my is, number four
0: and three swap, but everything else is the same.
1: You're exactly right. I got number yeah. four, Super Mario World 3D. Number three, Axiom Verge 2. Number two, Psychonauts 2. Number one, Metroid Dread. This this was the hardest list for me this year. This was the hardest rankings because these are the games I enjoy the most and I think every single one of these games, all four of these games in my brain are a 9.0 or better
0: without question. I mean, even Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's
1: Fury, a game that we've played before. Well, yep.
0: you hadn't. You hadn't played I haven't 3D played World
1: yet. I haven't played Bowser's Fury, but I've played Super Mario. I played Super Mario 3D World on the Wii U. OK, you
0: did. So I, there was somebody that didn't. maybe it was Dan that didn't play 3D World at all. And, uh,
1: and I was didn't looking own forward 3D to... World, but my buddy did. And I've borrowed it from him and I've played it. I remember we talked about that initially
0: when we were talking about the game at the beginning of the year because I, you know, picked it up and absolutely loved it. Right. Um, 3D World has always been great. But what they did with Bowser's Fury was incredible. Oh, I thought yeah. that was such a cool addition. I thought that, you know, it borrowed so much from like Odyssey and then stuck it in that kind of formula that 3D World had. It was a perfect blend, and I thought it was really well done. For for a game that was like a re-release, it was a smart way to do it on Nintendo's part.
1: It being the last game on my list this year, I actually convinced somebody to buy it just a few days ago. I was like, it's an amazing game. Go get it. You'll love it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, I mean and it is. Anybody that loves Mario games is going to absolutely fall in love with this game. It's, it's probably the best thing mario 3d platformer of all time and i'm and i don't say that lightly i think that it really is um that being said it is a re-release of a wii u game with one extra admittedly huge stage yeah it's like three hours of standalone content which is pretty decent for a mario yes. size game and every other game on the list like i said in my mind is a 9.0 or better and so ranking Axiom Verge two against the the dreadnoughts of Psychonauts and and oh I, that's a little pun there Psychonauts and Metroid dreadnoughts. Dread the dreadnoughts no, I, I love it I love it actually that was pretty good yeah I didn't mean to Uninten- do that. Un- unintentional but but yeah. it worked <laughs>
0: I'm actually surprised you had that below Psychonauts two. I'm not shocked you had Metroid above Axiom Verge, but I am surprised you put Axiom Verge at three.
1: The, the, gosh, you know, it started to go into my mind of, of what I think really was the best game this year. Axiom Verge 2 was phenomenal. Um, Psychonauts 2, amazing, and and Metroid Dread, amazing. And I think that Metroid Dread was one of the most polished, cleanest, uh, best Metroid experiences I've ever had. And Axiom Verge 2 was amazing. I, I it really came down to it. I don't know how I could have ranked these at all, but that's what I came up with.
0: I think Metroid Dread is gonna be another game that I pushed to finish before the end of the year. You because have to I made it I made it about halfway through. I, I'm fairly confident I can get through that before. Oh, you
1: can. It's not, month. like I said, it's not a terribly long game. I, I completed it in under 10 hours. Yeah. I think I'm around the four or five hour mark myself. So. Oh, the boss. And and that's what really pushed me to, to ranking that at number one was the boss battles in that game. I just had a blast with those. They're so fun. They're so much fun. Very
0: cinematic. Definitively, Psychonauts 2 is your runner up with five points. And your winner with eight points is Metroid Dread for best platforming slash Metroidvania game this year. That is the
1: right call. It hurts me. It hurts me to have Axiom Verge 2 that low. I blew through that game in in a day. Axiom Verge 2 did end up with more points than 3D World. It had three points to to 3D World's
0: two. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Somebody else voted for Axiom Verge 2 on Patreon as well. I don't know who it was. Uh, Nice. But but we did have an Axiom Verge 2 vote on Patreon as well. Probably Jack Sacks. Moving on to best first-person slash third-person shooter for 2021. We had three nominees. A really light category this year because Battlefield and Call of Duty Vanguard just sucked so much. Yep. Uh, Your nominees were Returnal, Halo Infinite, and Far Cry 6. Number three is Far Cry 6 for me.
1: Number two is Halo Infinite. And number one is Returnal. I've got Far Cry 6 at number three, Returnal at two, and Halo Infinite at one. And honestly, Halo Infinite and Returnal,
0: it's either or. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, they're it's it's one of, it's one of those two. Um we obviously had a decent amount of support come in for Halo from staff and Patreon. So your runner up with six points is Returnal
1: and your winner of best first person slash third person shooter this year with eight points is Halo Infinite. This is a a, a recurring theme. I think going forward in the show, we're going to see Halo Infinite pop up again in a couple other categories and rightfully so, man, it's I am I am so shocked that this game that I'm having as much fun with this game as I am and that I like it as much as I am. And it just barely made the cut. Like, oh, yeah, it just barely made the cut. We included
0: it initially because of the multiplayer releasing on November 15th and getting to, you know, experience so much of that. The campaign didn't release until December 8th. We set our cutoff at that day. Like, Halo was the last game that we were including in in our awards. That way we could try to get, you know, as much experience as we could over the few weeks with all of these games. Um, It's been hard to put down. I mean, I'm still actively I didn't this week at all, actually. But I am still actively jumping in there with your cousins and and playing Halo multiplayer
1: all the freaking time, dude. Yep, one of them will be at my house for the next uh, next few days. So he'll—I mean, if you if you do play with us, he'll be sitting next to me the whole time. Are we going
0: to? I was going to say we're going to have to get some uh, some games going so that way you guys can do some couch co-op at the same time. I think that's possible in multiplayer, right? Like you can, I don't know
1: if it is. I it, that got me actually, thinking. I'm actually, like, I actually don't fucking know. Actually,
0: yeah. I've only played it on my PC. I haven't played it on console. Me too. So. I don't know. I wonder if that's possible. We'd have to ask. Uh, we'd have to ask Nick the scrub. He might he's know. only on yeah. Xbox One. Yeah, he's only on original Xbox One. He might know. <laughs> he complains about that all the time when we're playing. I know. <laughs> Halo Infinite, your best first-person, third-person shooter this year. Our last of the generic categories, best horror slash survival game, we had four nominees. The Medium, Tormented Souls, The Dark Pictures Anthology, House of Ashes, and Resident Evil Village. Number four for me was The Medium. Number three was The Dark Pictures Anthology, House of Ashes. Number two, Tormented Souls, and number one... Resident Evil Village
1: yeah I kind of knew The winner of this going into it but everything Else was a jumble I didn't know what to do Or or where they were going to land um, But number four for me was Tormented Souls number three House Of Ashes number two the medium And number one village yeah and, and I mean village is obviously the rightful Oh yeah winner of
0: this Category this year um, Our official runner up with four points is the Medium and then the winner with eight points is Resident Evil Village that's the winner man Eight seems to be the number. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, there was only one time where we had nine. And like I said, that was inscription for Best Sim Strategy. Right. But uh, eight seems to be the uh, the highest we get on most of these. And, and I kind of like that it's not getting too high. Like, there are some votes going to other games. I do enjoy that. Tormented Souls, I had it in my number two spot because it was so much of a throwback to the PlayStation Resident Evil games. Sure, and I just fell in love with it when I played it. I never did finish it. I was uh, Justin bought it, and I was actually playing his copy um, back in October. I want to I want to say it was, and I played it for a few hours and then watched him play a decent amount of the game as well. He actually did finish it. Um,
1: spooky game, but nothing holds a candle to Village this year, man. You know, and that's another game that I think I'll probably go back and play a couple times because I know now after you've played it once, you know where items are. You kind of know the story beats of the game and the speed runs of this game are approaching like the hour mark for a lot of people. And so that's it's it's easy and quick to run through and just kind of like see how fast you can take down some of these bosses and stuff. That's that's where the fun is when you when you play Resident Evil games multiple times. And I know I missed shit. Like, I know I didn't see everything that game has to offer.
0: Right. So it would definitely be fun to go back and, you know, try to find some of these Easter eggs or secrets that this team buried in there because, you know, they're there. You know, they're there. (laughs) I actually tried watching the new Resident Evil movie the other day. Oh, yeah. It's not that good. I've, I've heard it's not that bad. And I was expecting it to be terrible it's not terrible but they definitely took liberties with like this is Jill Valentine this is you know what i mean like they they don't they don't really look like what you would expect them to look like in terms of the characters based right. off of the games and the movies that came before
1: yeah that movie it also just kind of came and went it was pretty quiet yeah it didn't make a lot of noise not too much
0: buzz around it um I likely will still watch it, but eh, I don't know if I'll ever get back around to it. Same thing with The Matrix. I heard that that was just not that good, unfortunately.
1: I haven't gotten around to that one either yet.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, if there's a media files on The Matrix to
1: see what you guys think on that. I'm almost positive (laughs) there will be. I mean, it's one of the biggest releases this year. I just need to get around to watching it. I haven't in the last few days, so. Yeah, coming soon. Coming soon.
0: Uh, But yeah, best horror slash survival game, Resident Evil Village. But that's the last of our generic categories. So we're moving on to the more specific stuff, the more fun stuff in my opinion. And we're kicking things off with Soundtrack of the Year. We had five nominees: Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Ease Nine Monstrum Knox, The Artful Escape, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Sable. In my number five spot, I put Sable. In my number four spot was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And that hurt me a lot. Wow. Number three was Ease Nine Monstrum Knox. Number two. Was Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and number one for me is The Artful Escape.
1: This this was another pretty
0: hard category for me. Yeah, this one was very difficult for me to rank. This one was a tough one for me this
1: year. N- number five for me is Ease Nine. Number four, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number three, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Number two, Sable, and number one, The Artful Escape. Yeah, that gives us a clear winner. Your
0: runner up. With five points is Ease Nine Monstrum Knox. Good, good. And
1: the winner with seven points is the Artful Escape. I think there's there is no soundtrack from this year that I've gone back and listened to as much as I have the Artful Escape. I have really enjoyed the the variety of the music in that game between the folk and the kind of ambient electronica that gets thrown in yeah, as well. Yeah,
0: space opera rock. It's so freaking good, dude. So so cool and I've I've
1: absolutely love what
0: they did with that game. I was not expecting The Artful Escape to be my soundtrack of the year. I knew I was going to like it, but I, I was convinced it was either going to be like Rift Apart or E's Nine or something like that because the soundtracks are just so incredible. Guardians of the Galaxy really took me by surprise, too, with, with how well not only the original music is done, but that entire bonus Star-Lord original album that they included in the game with 10 tracks on it that Frank and I did a bonus
1: yeah, BG super Mania cool.
0: BG on for Patreon. And then they also had a shit ton of licensed music in there as well. Like, everything just came together so well for the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. But like you, The Artful Escape is a soundtrack that I've probably listened to from start to finish over 30 times since finishing that game. And one particular song, All That Glitters Is Not Gold. I think I've had on repeat over 100 times over the it's last few very, weeks. very good. Yeah, it, it it is a standout track to me. I think probably one of the the top songs released in any game this year. It It's made me go back and explore a lot of Johnny Galvatron's like original stuff. I didn't realize he was kind of like a, a hair metal kid as well and had long hair and, and looks the part of an 80s rocker. Uh, got that sound a little bit. They have a band called the Galvatron's, which is actually pretty good. Um, he's just an awesome dude man he did a great job with the soundtrack <laughs> no it's the rightful winner I, th- I don't think anything came close for me yeah me neither this year and that's crazy but I love that an indie game like that can, can come in and shake the core and, and be so special because it was. It was a really special game, so I'm glad it won Soundtrack of Everybody the Year. Everybody I know I've recommended it to has felt the same about it. Yeah. I remember Frank was was blown away, um, not thinking he was going to enjoy it after you and I kind of were talking about it and jumped in and just fell in love with it as well. It's an easy game to play, and it 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 rewards you so much. <laughs> it's not a challenging game.
1: Yeah. But it is so and, fun. And uh, it's the background it of my so phone fun. also.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. The background of my phone has been... Um, character artwork from Trails of Cold Steel 2 for like the last six years since it uh, since it came out on, on PlayStation 4. I've nice. not changed my wallpaper since. <laughs> but yeah, soundtrack of the year this year rightfully goes to The Artful Escape. Moving on to best narration slash story. We had four nominees. It Takes Two, The Artful Escape, Psychonauts 2, and Inscription. I had a hard time with this one. Yeah, I did because too. Because... I thoroughly enjoyed the story in all four of these games. Yeah. So I had to think like, which one did I like the most? And that was kind of challenging. And, and the rankings are gonna seem a little odd, but we'll see how yours line up. Number four for me is Inscription. Number three is It Takes Two. Number two is The Artful Escape. And number one is Psychonauts 2 for me.
1: Oh, boy, Brian. <laughs> number four for me is The Artful Escape. Uh, number three is It Takes Two. Uh, number two is Psychonauts 2. And number one is Inscription.
0: And I think that is, you know, expected. Like yeah. any one of these games could have been in my number one spot. Well, and this one's very subjective
1: it. also. It's it's which story did you like the best? Which narrative drew you in the hardest? And for me, that was inscription this year.
0: Yeah. And and for me it was Psychonauts too because of how heavy it leaned into like the the mental health aspects oh, yeah. and you know, stuff that I really have been appreciating over the last few years as I've kind of been struggling and dealing with a lot of those same things myself. So this actually gave us a tie for a runner up. We have two games with four points apiece. It takes two and inscription, both your runner up this year,
1: and your winner with six points is Psychonauts two. It's totally worthy. Like you said, man, going into going into the minds and thoughts of of trauma, depression, PTSD, um, all these types of things, you know, kind of manic depressive. Things, very very neat, but also respectful representations of those things in this game. I loved it. Yeah, I absolutely loved it too. Um, obviously
0: we can't get into why we liked Inscriptions narrative so much. Again, again, get, go play would, it. Go yeah, play that it. That would get that would really get into uh, into spoiler territory. I I actually hated that I had to stick that in the number four spot. Like I didn't want to put that last on anything, but I knew. I knew that I would like It Takes Two's story more than Inscription once I get around to playing it. And I already knew that I enjoyed The Artful Escape and Psychonauts 2 more than Inscription's story. Now, the story in Inscription isn't really what, like, hooked me, I don't think. It was interesting, and it took me by surprise, and I wasn't really expecting a lot of what happened. But I think the gameplay is really where Inscription shined. Yeah,
1: Yeah, and... I. I that, there that was so kind of my, my validation
0: of putting it last. Sure. I had to validate it for myself. I was like, why am I putting this in the number four spot? <laughs> I feel it, man. <laughs> and that's and that's not even like a bad thing. Just getting nominated at all, you know, those those four games out of everything else that released this year, that's what we picked. Sure. So putting anything last is not necessarily a negative thing I absolutely in any agree. of these categories. Yeah. So, uh, but your winner for best narration story this year is Psychonauts 2. Moving on to the Golden Gizmo, which is the best companion in a game. We had four nominees. Kit from Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Rot from Kenna Bridge of Spirits. Bowser Jr. from Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And Grimoire Vice from Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. In my number four spot, I put Rot. In my number three was Bowser Jr. In my number two
1: was Grimoire Vice. And in my number one spot was Kit. I'm I'm happy to hear that ranking, Brian. I have Grimoire Vice at number four, Bowser Jr. at three, Rot at two, and Kit at number one. Kit made so much of that game for me. I, it was just such a fun little addition to the game in terms of the dialogue that went on. The voice acting was spot on. Nothing about it was corny, and it could have been, but it wasn't. I really want to play a Rivet slash Kit game. Yeah. In the style
0: of Ratchet and Clank. Like, I could see there being a spin-off title starring those two, and there'd be zero qualms from the community, and it would probably be another 10 out of 10 game. Like, I don't really think Insomniac has it in them to do something bad right now. Right. They have just been on top of the game for years, are- years, dude. Years. Consistently releasing Game of the Year quality contenders. And I don't think that slows down. We're getting Wolverine from them. In 2022 We're getting Spider-Man 2 In 2023 Like They just don't know How to quit dude They don't the know best. how to quit
1: They're the They're They're on top of their game They're one of the best In the in the game right now
0: And you know They're also Working now On whatever comes next To Ratchet and Clank Like They have over 400 people At that studio And it shows Because they're able To crank out so many games With such high quality And it doesn't take them Very long it's isn't that crazy. How do they do that? They're one of the only studios that can still do it. It's bananas. Yep, it's a, it's absolutely insane. But I love it. I also love that this gave us a clear winner and a three way tie for runner up. <laughs> So, your your runners-up with three points apiece are Grimoire Vice, Bowser Jr., and Rot. And your winner for the Golden Gizmo this year with eight points is Kit from Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. And again, that's the rightful winner. Yeah. I don't know how you would argue against that. As you as you said there, Kit really made a lot of what I enjoyed about Rift Apart. And so did Rivet. Like, I, I'm a big fan of Ratchet & Clank in terms of characters. But what they introduced here for Rift Apart, I think actually sets ratchet up in terms of a series for the next few games
1: no i think so i i was never a huge ratchet and clank fan in the past but it's not a series i'll be missing going forward after rift apart
0: and i think there are several games if you went and explored the previous releases of ratchet and clank that you would thoroughly enjoy like those games have always been pretty stellar the ps2 originals are insanely good which they remastered i think for ps4 didn't they they remastered the first one the first and i one. would okay. definitely say if you've not played that you should it is excellent but um the initial trilogy on the ps2 was very very good and then it moved into a, a couple releases that i thought missed the mark a bit you know there were i think one or two more on ps2 that weren't part of that original trilogy and then they started moving into the ps3 games which we're okay but we're never as strong as the originals and then when insomniac came back they're like no we're we're bringing everything back and we're going to make the series great again <laughs> yep <laughs> and they absolutely did and it's never been the same since and I, and I don't know that we'll ever you know go back to a a ratchet and clank game that is less than a 9 on open critic because again i i have full confidence that anything insomniac releases is going to be a 9 or higher they just don't disappoint right now yeah, no, agree. And it makes me really curious how they're going to
1: handle the Wolverine game. It, I will be shocked if that game comes out in 2022. I know they're planning on it. That's the goal. Wolverine but this I, year, Spider-Man re- 2 next I year. I do really hope it does.
0: I do too. I do too. And I, I can't wait because we've not seen anything on it. All we've seen is like a brief shot of his arm or his yeah. face or whatever in that reveal trailer. Like there was no gameplay. There were no hints to what this game is going to look or play like. I'm hopeful that it plays somewhat like like an action superhero game that we've come to know from Insomniac. You know, I don't want it to play identical to Spider-Man. But I'm hoping it is somewhat fast paced. But we'll see. We will I don't see. really know though. I don't really know. I guess they could take it in the style of of Arkham in terms of combat. But even Arkham is not slow. Like no. Arkham is pretty fast. It's pretty fast
1: paced. And and Spider Man borrows heavily from that also. So
0: it does. Especially with like the combos and and the combat. So um, I have to assume there's going to be a lot of elements in that with Wolverine, but I'm actually expecting Insomniac to do something different as well. Like, I don't think they'll disappoint. I really don't. And I'm, I'm right. very curious to see what it's going to look like. But your winner of the Golden Gizmo this year is Kit. And shout out to Frank for recommending that category. I absolutely love it. I think that's such a awesome It's a
1: really category. great category, yeah. Yeah, I love that
0: category. One, well, will name for a category, right? We, we've done Best Companion before. We've done Best Party Member Before I think I don't know that we've ever done Best Best Companion companion. Was Was it Best Companion? We might have We might have I don't remember everything We've done in years prior I remember we did do Party Members one year Um, It might have been Party I can't recall But I don't think I'll ever get rid of this category now I think that is such a cool category It's the best, yeah Most surprising game is next We had five nominees Pac-Man 99 Knockout City Deathloop New World, and Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. In my number five spot, I put Knockout City, and my number four was Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, number three,
1: Pac-Man 99, number two, New World, and number one, Deathloop. Very close to yours. I have number five, Knockout City, Uh, number four, Pac-Man 99, number three, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, number two, New World, and number one, Deathloop. I think New World and Deathloop took you and I by major surprise this year. Well, I think expecting both of them to be absolutely terrible. And And neither one of them were. Neither of them were. But Deathloop obviously being the better game here, um, being very, very highly regarded by the end of the year in terms of gameplay, graphics, story, soundtrack, everything... Look how I many awards this-
0: it was nominated for at the official Game Awards by Deathloop. Yeah, like there were there were so many nominees. It won several of them. I actually just bought Deathloop yesterday. It was on sale on Amazon, and I had a ten dollar credit still on there from something that I had returned previously. So I was able to get Deathloop for twelve bucks on PS Five. So I will finally be jumping into it either next week when it arrives in the mail or shortly after the first of the year, depending on when it gets here. But um, I'm looking forward to playing it. Yeah, really I'm excited am. to see how you finally feel about it. Yeah, I am I, a big fan of, you know, Arcane and, and Dishonored, and I know you, you're you not, so. Right. <laughs> I will be curious to see how Deathloop actually plays for me, but that did give us definitive runner-up and winners for this category. New World is your runner-up with five points, and with eight points, your winner is Deathloop, most surprising game this year. And it really was, to us at least. Maybe not to yeah. everybody. Some no, people I think were to- expecting it to be great.
1: Yeah, no, and I'm I'm glad that they did good, honestly. Arcane's a great studio. They're just, the gameplay loop has never been my favorite, so it's not a game I was itching for anyways, but I thought it was going to be bad, and it wasn't. Yeah, me too. So, and I love I was, that soundtrack.
0: I, I was fully, ex- yeah, it is good. We played a, a track from it recently on the, uh, the November radio hour for BG Mania, where Frank and I kind of, highlighted a lot of 2021 releases. We normally do a best of 2021 episode for BG mania. We're not doing that this year. We actually just did that as for our like November radio hour. So we just kind of lumped them together just to save time. (laughs) Um, it does have a great soundtrack, and I'm a little disappointed that I wasn't able to get any playtime in on that game to see if it theoretically could have maybe fallen into another category for us. But that's okay. That's okay. Not everything is going to line up with the industry for us because yeah, that's uh, fine. we are different. We are weird, and we thought Deathloop was going to suck.
1: Huh. <laughs> and every every everything pointed to that game sucking, dude. <laughs> I, yep. I, I, stand, I stand by those early comments we made. Everything pointed to that game sucking.
0: The amount of trailers we saw, the amount of delays we saw, I was convinced that game was dead on arrival. But when I saw the reviews hit and it was getting like nines and nine fives and some I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Right.
1: <laughs> I'm definitely looking forward to playing it. And I still want to pick up New World. New man, that's a game that I've picked up and put down multiple times. And it's got a lot of good going for it. I think it will grow into a better game but if you do pick it up, let me know. I'll jump right back in. Like I'd be, I'd be more than ready to jump back in.
0: I'm just ready for a new MMO, like a new one that I've not played before. I know Endwalker is an expansion just released and I have not played it yet. And I, you know, I, I, my, my subscription is not currently active to final fantasy 14, but I likely will be resubbing here next month because I do want to try to get caught up to the current content and eventually buy the expansion and get started with that stuff. But I'm just looking for something new. I actually was telling you the other day I was starting the download on Lineage M2 or 2M or whatever it's called, not realizing that the installer that I was downloading was just something that connects me to the mobile version. There's no native PC version of that game. Exactly, yeah. That was really surprising to me. I thought there was. I knew that it was on mobile, but I thought the PC version was a standalone version, and it's not. Like, you have to download this installer that connects you to either Google Play or the App Store and that's the version you play. And that's kind of shitty. So I, you know, I I deleted that and never jumped into it. I actually got a key from the team that made uh, Swords Swords and Legends Online a few weeks or months ago or whatever when it came out, then I never jumped into it. So I actually jumped into that for the first time the other day just cuz I wanted to play a new MMOs like intro experience. And I kind of enjoyed it. That was that uh, Chinese, Chinese Japanese mythology one that came out like over the summer. I I actually think I might try to level up and see how far I can get. I don't know.
1: Ashes of Creation is the other one that everybody's kind of keeping an eye on right now, too, so... Ashes of Creation is one
0: that I know for next year that I'm looking in that palia or whatever it's called, the one that's coming from a lot of Blizzard X devs. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm I'm keeping an eye on that I think could be strong for twenty twenty two. But it's unfortunate that the MMO RPG landscape is is so barren as it is right now, outside of like the success of Final Fantasy 14. Right. Yeah, because Walker blew that game up. Like they weren't ready. For the amount of players that were yep. A, going to come back and B, going to resub. They weren't expecting it. Like they've never seen that before. But I also think that is a, a large reason or, or a big contributing reason to that is what I'm trying to say is, is the failure of, of Activision Blizzard over the last few months.
1: Absolutely absolutely I'm not going back to that game anytime soon either I've still got friends that play and I just I can't any longer
0: I uninstalled both I uninstalled classic and and the client like the the retail client I don't have either one installed on my PC right now and it is 160 gigs that I that I was glad to get back like I don't miss playing Warcraft I really nope. don't I miss I missed playing it like 10 years ago or 15 years ago I miss that aspect of Warcraft I don't miss Warcraft as Warcraft I sure. miss the experiences that I had in Warcraft. I miss the music because the music is so great, but um, I don't miss the game anymore. And I used to miss the game, but I don't anymore. It's just, it's time for them to move on yep. as well. And until they do, well, I don't know that they'll ever get a chance to. I don't know that Blizzard still survives this. I really don't. I don't know <laughs> that they'll be around by the end of next year.
1: <laughs> that, that will be an, that'll be an interesting story to follow through 2022. Yeah. I, I fully expect
0: something soon to happen in the Bobby Kotick camp as well. Like... I can't imagine he remains the CEO of Activision Blizzard for too much longer. Right. We'll have to see what happens, though. Maybe uh, maybe something crazy happens. Maybe Microsoft swoops in and buys Blizzard.
1: <laughs> They're like, oh, you know man. what? Let's try to save you guys. Let's, First of all, uh, let's fire I, the entire my, studio. That's my <laughs> hope. Sell <laughs> off the IPs, man. Let somebody else do something good with them. Not Activision. No. Man, it would be cool to see... I don't know what studio I
0: would want to tackle Warcraft, but it would be interesting to see somebody else's take on it. Right. I don't know what studio that I would want to tackle it, though. I actually have a fun prediction. Speaking of, next week, we'll, Kyle and I will be doing our uh, 2022 crystal ball predictions and going over the results from the 2021 predictions. I have something fun lined up in terms of the uh, the MMORPG landscape that I think you'll enjoy for those predictions. <laughs> That's always such a fun episode. I hope it comes true because I think it would. Uh, I think it would be massive. But we'll save that for next week. Most sentimental game was our next category. We had five nominees: Last Words Beyond the Page, Life Is Strange, True Colors, Near Replicant, Shikari: A Colorful Tale, and It Takes Two. Number five on my list is Shikari: A Colorful Tale. Number four is It Takes Two. Number three is Life Is Strange: True Colors. Number two is Near Replicant. And number one for me is Lost Words Beyond the
1: Page. We have wildly different lists here, I think. I had a feeling this one would be a category that we were very different on. Yeah. Number five for me is Near Replicant. Uh, Number four, It Takes Two. Number three, Lost Words Beyond the Page. Uh, Number two is Chicory. And number one is Life is Strange True Colors. I was curious
0: where you were going to rank It Takes Two on this list. Because I know that there are some sentimental moments in oh, the yeah, game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's not a heavy sentimental game.
1: It's not the drawing point of the game for me. And I actually had that, that was kind of a recurring theme going through a lot of these categories for me this year was where I was going to rank It Takes Two. And as as great as the game was, some of those other little finer details of the game weren't the strong points of the game for me. So it fell back on a lot of the smaller lists. But in terms of most sentimental game for me, I think Life is Strange True Colors knocked it out of the park. I think that it's maybe overall the best Life is Strange game. I don't know. I really? don't know if I can okay. accurately say that. I do like all of the Life is Strange games, but this one is really, really good.
0: Something about Lost Words Beyond the Page really hit a chord with me. Oh, it was really like good. Like when we were playing through that, not only was I blown away by the way that they handled the gameplay and the storybook aspect and, like, literally running along the words and, and doing things to reveal the next portion of the story while you're actually on the page but the story that it was telling was absolutely heartbreaking dude like it it is one of the only games that legit had me a mess this year oh very sad yeah yeah i i was i was not expecting the the amount of heartache and the amount of of tears that i would shed for this game but right Near Replicant is also another game that you know I've played before, but the near games in general are are very somber and very melancholy in terms of the outlook on uh, the future and humanity, and especially Near Replicant doesn't go nearly as, as in depth with it as as Automata does, which is why I, I still think Automata um, is a game you need to play. And get through all six endings so you can literally have your view of life challenge like mine was seeing that sixth ending. Right. It was so fucking insane, dude. But um I'm not shocked to see you put true colors in the number one spot. And even putting it in the number three spot for me. Um, had I finished that game, I might have put it higher. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but that does give us a tie for runner up. We have two runners up for most sentimental game with four points apiece, lost words beyond the page, and near replicant.
1: And your winner with five points is Life is Strange True Colors. The lowest point winner uh, this year. So far. So far. Interesting. I didn't expect that one to win, but I'm happy it did. I liked it.
0: Yeah. uh, it, It got a little bit of support on Patreon and the staff voting as well. So... Coming through and and helping Life is Strange kind of stick its neck above the other two that had four points and and get a definitive winner here for Most Sentimental Game. And I'm not upset that that won. I'm not upset. I'm not upset that those three were our runners-up and and winner. Right. That's probably where I would have went anyway. That was my one, two, and three. So (laughs) Yeah, so it works. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Just not in that order. But yeah, Life is Strange True Colors, Most Sentimental Game we still got a couple categories left. We have one, two, three, four, five, six more to go. We are moving to Can't Stop, Won't Stop, the game we just couldn't put down this year. Our five nominees are MLB The Show 21, Mario Golf Super Rush, Halo Infinite, Forza Horizon 5, and Diablo 2 Resurrected. I think you put all of the hours into Diablo 2 for both of us combined
1: and you the show. So. Yep, exactly.
0: <laughs> the other 3 we put an equal amount of hours into. Yeah. But uh MLB the Show was definitely mine. Diablo 2 definitely yours. Uh my rankings, unsurprisingly, I have Diablo 2 Resurrected at number 5. Number 4 is Mario Golf Super Rush. Number 3 is Forza Horizon 5. Number two, MLB The Show 21. And number one, Halo Infinite for me. All right. Number five for me is The Show because yep. I didn't play it. <laughs> yep. I had a, Just like my Diablo 2. Like, I
1: played it, but only initially with you and Sean. I never went back. No, number four for me, Diablo 2 Resurrected. Number three, and, and it would have been much higher if they would just fix all the damn issues. Can't if they would they just fix haven't. the issues. But if they showed, if they showed an answer. Not surprised.
0: They still haven't either.
1: <laughs> if they showed an ounce of concern for their player base, I would I would rank it higher. Uh, they don't give three, a fuck anymore. Come on now. They don't give a fuck anymore. I hate it. Number three, Mario Golf Super Rush. It's a game that I have returned to multiple times. I will continue to return to. I'll probably play some of it on New Year's Eve with a couple of friends at my home. Uh, number two, Forza Horizon 5. And number one, Halo Infinite. Yeah, I, I think that is probably
0: accurate in terms of our runner up and winner. That gives us, with four points, your runner-up, and they will be the show 21. And nice. your winner, with eight points, is Halo
1: Infinite. Yeah. It's the one. I mean, and that that game's going to last. It just is. It'll I it'll, can, it'll last all know. of
0: 2022. Like, yep. no one's going to put that down. As, yep. as more events come out, as they release more cosmetics, as they release more game modes, as they release whatever, that game is not going to die down anytime soon. No. It is the most fun Halo multiplayer I think I've played since 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, the campaign is excellent as well. When they add in co-op in May, that's going to bring in a ton of new people jumping into the campaign for the first time. Well, and I think you and to I will probably going, jump back in and say, play through it together. Going back in and playing through it together. Like, I yep. will gladly play that again. Like, this is a game that is is going to have some serious long legs. And even though it's only been out for a little over a month in terms of the multiplayer, I can't put it down. Like, yep. I've put almost as many hours into Halo Infinite... As I feel like I did with MLB the Show, the entire time I played it, like there, I spent ten hours playing with your cousins one day almost. Oh yeah, like it was insane. No, it's like I wouldn't a great have it game. any other way. It's and so it's, much fun.
1: Yep, and it's a game that, like I said, I I've been wanting a new shooter to get into for a long time. I thought it was going to be Battlefield, it wasn't, you know, and this is the game that that stuck around.
0: I don't think anybody was expecting Halo Infinite to be the standout. Oh, no. No. Shooting or shooter release or, you know, multiplayer release or anything like that for 2021, but it absolutely is.
1: Yeah, Battlefield's already getting discounted to like $30 on Steam. I mean, it's a mess. Yeah, no one's playing Vanguard. Ah, people are playing it, but no one cares.
0: <laughs> That's what it is. Nobody cares, yeah. Well, Halo Infinite, can't stop, won't stop for this year, and uh, likely likely could qualify for next year's categories. Might qualify if it for next, next year, year yeah. <laughs> We'll have to see what happens. I don't know, though. Next year looks mighty fucking strong, dude. Oh, yeah. Next year looks mighty fucking strong. So we'll have to see. Best indie game for 2021, a category that we always love here at RPG Era. We had five nominees, Cyber Shadow, The Artful Escape, Death's Door, Inscription, and Axiom Verge 2. This was a really tough category to rank for me as well. Me too. I had a really hard time... Figuring out where I was going to slot these in. And I'm curious how close our lists are going to line up because I have a feeling my number one could be your number four or five.
1: Well, let's see.
0: Number five for me is Cyber Shadow. Number four is Axiom Verge 2. Number three is Inscription. Number two is the Artful Escape. And number one for me this year, my best indie game, Death Store. That's number five
1: for me, man. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a feeling and and I don't know what it was that game just didn't click for me like it did for everybody else uh, it was a good game it was fine I played it I beat it I liked it it quickly passed out of my memory um, but I did enjoy what I played and I enjoyed my time with it I bought it and didn't mind the price I paid but yeah, at number I did, five, is, I, I was the same way I absolutely loved it yeah number five is death's door Number four, Cyber Shadow. Number three, The Artful Escape. Number two, Axiom Verge 2. And number one, Inscription. Man, this is the first one
0: where we have a dual tie for runner-up and winner. Oh, boy. (laughs) So our lists being so drastically different... Uh, gave two games four points and two games five points. Poor Cyber Shadow sitting there with two points, getting booted out of the conversation. What a good game. It was a great game. It really was. Your double runners-up with four points apiece are Inscription and Axiom Verge 2. Your dual winners with five points apiece are the Artful Escape and Death's Door.
1: Crazy, crazy. I didn't expect Artful Escape to go so high, but I'm happy it did.
0: Yeah, that. And I, I honestly didn't think Death's Door would win either. I thought I would be the only one that had that, you know, and, and I was, but I believe it was Sev who also threw a vote behind Death's Door, yep. which got it up to the five. Otherwise, there would have been a three way tie for runner up and the Artful Escape would have been your winner for best indie game. What did you have a number one inscription? I had inscription at number one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and I'm not surprised that you put that there. I know inscription is, is, well, I, I can't wait to see how you have it on game of the year.
1: <laughs> well, you know, and, and where I rank games for myself too, is I, I got to look back and think what games are going to stand out for me for this year in 2021, in five years from now, when I look back at the games from 2021 and I'm telling people, Oh, the best games from that year for me, what games are going to stand out in my brain? and inscription is going to be a game that i will be recommending to people for the for years to come it's i think it's the only game on this list that i'm when i look back to the year i'm going to think ooh that game defined 2021 for me
0: I'm curious where the disconnect came for you with Death's Door. Yeah, I Be- do it, it, it is a game that I still, I, I think about it, not often, but like when I think about it, I really am fond of the time that I put into that game. The soundtrack is still in my brain. Like there are tracks that I, I will constantly think back to and, and that'll get stuck in my head. And even though it wasn't, like, a perfect rendition of a Zelda-like game, it was pretty
1: close. And I really enjoyed a lot of what they tried to do with it. I it, I appreciated a lot of what they tried to do. One thing for me was a very dull color palette. Um, and I know that's such a picky thing to pick on, especially in a game about death and, like, afterlife and stuff. Right, something that's supposed to look bleak and dreary. Exactly, but instead, to me, a lot of the landscape just ended up looking like untextured three D models. I think. Okay, especially probably like the the
0: like the quote unquote work space area, right? Like yeah. the uh I don't know what you would really call that, but the yeah, area the with office all the dirt. area, right? Yeah, it's well, not that... really an
1: office because it's literally suspended into nothing. It's meant yeah. to be this like And per- then the main hub or whatever. The main hub before you went off to certain places. I also found the the combat to be a little um frustrating in a lot of parts where there were Enemies that would be off stage shooting you, and you can hardly reach them except for a range attack, right? I mean, there were, there were areas that I really got frustrated with some of the battles. Obviously got through it. There were battles in that game that I absolutely loved, especially the final boss. I fell in love with that whole battle, but there were, there were just certain things about that game that didn't click for me. Are you excited about Tunic coming next year? I am excited about Tunic. I think that game's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I know that it's going to
0: have a lot of similarities to Death's Door, right? It is It is a, a Zelda-like game. But I have a feeling Tunic is going to be more rooted in those Zelda-likes. I think if that it is going to be a 2, lot closer.
1: If Ooh. Death's Door, Death's Door 2 was talking. released today. Now you're talking. I would play it. I would too. I, I hope you know, they do. It, a sequel. Despite my, despite my grievances with the game. I loved it. I hope they do a sequel to Death's Door.
0: I don't know that that's on the table, but hopefully it is, because I would absolutely love that, and I would eat it up. I would play yeah. it right away. <laughs> and it's surprising that, um, you know, we, we are doing a dual winner, but that's just the way things go. Um, I don't know that we should choose between those two to give a definitive no. winner. No, let them let share the throne. Yeah, I think we should just leave it. Best Indie Game this year, The Artful Escape and Death's Store. We'll leave it alone. Moving on to Best Voice Acting in a Game. We had four nominees Maggie Robertson as Lady Dimitrescu from Resident Evil Village, Erica Mori as Alex Chen from Life is Strange True Colors, Jennifer Hale as Rivet from Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, and Romaine Dennis as Nikki Gold from Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four for me is Romaine Dennis, number three is Erica Mori, number two is Jennifer Hale, and number one is Maggie Robertson.
1: Okay. I have uh, Romaine Denny at, at number four for Nikki Gold as well. Everything else is different. I've got Jennifer Hale at number three for Rivet. Number two, I've got Maggie Robertson for Lady D. And number one, I have Erica Mori as Alex in Life is Strange True Colors. Um, again, I'm a huge Life is Strange fan, man, and I think that Erica Mori nailed it this game and i i was talking in a with a friend in discord about this this game had the chance and every sign that it was going to be a corny schlock of a game because her powers is to see people's emotions i mean this was going to be corny and sappy from the from the moment it was conceived and it's not it really isn't and i think a, a lot of that goes to the great voice acting work between the entire team, but especially what they've done with Erica, Mori and Alex killed she killed that role, dude. She, she literally just killed that role. Nails it. There is not a and and the voice acting and and corniness is not something that Life is Strange has always steered away from. It is no, corny. it's
0: always been corny. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> especially number it's, it's one, a, and it's I, I love high number one teenage drama. Like yeah. of course it's going to be corny, and this one really subverted that for me. And I think a lot of that's due to Erica Mori as Alex Maggie Robertson. Um, you know,
0: winning the official Game of the, uh, Awards, you know, voice acting award. Yeah, I think was a huge highlight for both her and Resident Evil Village. I think that's awesome. Uh, she really made that game for me. Um, I think for a lot of people, yeah, everything she's about she's got Lady her own G Fuel flavor. I was so big into Lady D. Like, I think she was the the star of Resident Evil Village, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, there's not a stronger character in that game. And Maggie is a bit... Just like Erica in, in, in Life is Strange as Alex, Maggie is a big reason for that. She just... Oh, sure. She got the role. She nailed it. She understood the character. And she was able to be, like, scary... But also sexy at the same time. Right. And I think that's
1: huge. And I think the memes, the memes that come out of that are just, they ruled the first half of this year for me. It's so I would let her step on funny. me. <laughs> I would let her step on me. Without question. Without question.
0: <laughs> aye, aye,
1: aye. Chop
0: my hand off as well when I'm trying to open an elevator. Why don't you? Unreal. <laughs> and I'll just glue it back on like Ethan does. He didn't even glue it. He just poured that liquid on it. <laughs> That's so fucking stupid. Uh, that does give us definitive picks here, though. Your runner-up with five points is Maggie Robertson as Lady D. And your winner with six points is Erica Mori as Alex No kidding. Kidd. Yep. Hot dog. Okay. Didn't expect her to get that high. Not too shabby. Jennifer Hill had four points. Romaine Dennis, two points. Is it Denis or Dennis? Probably Denis. I think it's Denis. It's Probably Denis. So, I don't know. It's probably Romaine Denis. She did do a great job as as Nikki, and you're going to see that I think soon. Like it really opens up what she provided to this role as as you get a little bit further into the game. I think you're going to be thoroughly impressed.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I know it'll open up the further I go. Yeah, I know.
0: I know you had some qualms with the dialogue initially with Guardians of the Galaxy when it started up.
1: I don't. <laughs> Come I, on, and Kyle. I Still don't flark and get with it. It's uh, just the amount of flarks in each sentence. It's still not my favorite. I will, I Rocket, will admit Rocket that. Rocket
0: never, he never stops, man. Yeah, he's he's a he's a flarkin guy through and through. <laughs> but I, I mean, I guess it was the team's way of getting around saying fuck all the time because otherwise they probably would have had a lot of fucks in there. Oh yeah. So I, I, I see why they did that as opposed to going the. The more crude route, I guess. But sure, I'm actually glad to see Erica Mori get this in ours. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't convinced she was going to come out with the award. I thought Maggie Robertson would still get it. So did I. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Moving on to most innovative game design, we have five nominees: Game Builder Garage, It Takes Two, Lost Words Beyond the Page, Shikaria: Colorful Tale, and Loop Hero. Number five for me is Loop Hero. Number four is It Takes Two. Number three is Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Number two is Lost Words Beyond the Page. And number one for me is Game Builder Garage. And I'll tell you why when we're done.
1: Okay, you and I have very similar lists except for one big change. Our number one and five? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, it's our our two and five, actually. Number five for me is Lost Words. Okay. Uh, Number four, It Takes Two. Number three, Chicory. Number two, Loop Hero. And number one, Game Builder Garage. I can't believe you put Game of Garage at number one. I, I think in terms of innovation, I th- I think it does what no other game has successfully done up to now. And I think it's a game that will be referred to and have riffs on multiple times for years to come. I think it's absolutely brilliant what they've done there. So
0: we've seen games like this before, right? We've seen yeah. RPG Maker. We've seen games that allow you to make a game with their tools. But we've never seen a game explain what you're doing, explain or the why coding. you're doing it, right? Or explain the coding, or explain how you connect everything together, or explain how you get buttons to do things. This game does that, and it shows that Nintendo still has great ideas and they still have innovative ideas that nobody else has done. They take things that are so simple, like an RPG maker concept and completely expand it into a teaching tool that I think in a 10 or 15 years, we're gonna see that generation of kids that, are, that were eight to 10 years old playing Game Builder Garage go into college and utilize
1: a lot of skills that they learned in Game Builder Garage in their initial entry into game making. I have recommended this game to multiple people and to their children for holidays and for birthdays. Uh, people that I know are huge are, are trying to get their kids into coding or, or math or help them with certain things like that and find educational but fun ways to do that I've recommended this multiple times but yeah
0: I, I, I don't think that anything could be as innovative as Game Builder Garage this year so your runner up with five points is it takes two and your winner with six
1: points just from us Game Build a Garage. A, <laughs> these guys, we shouldn't have trusted them with giving them points, man. <laughs> Just from
0: us. But that's okay because that's why we do it. Yep. That's why we do it. And I think that, you know, it takes two, again, not super innovative because no. we've seen a lot of the elements that that game had before. Absolutely. Yeah. It was the way that they put it all together that made the package so special. But I wouldn't say it was super innovative.
1: No, it's it's like I like I said before, on all of these categories, it kind of drops down the list. It's how everything came together into one just phenomenal game for me that made it that special. Yep. So
0: I uh, I'm glad to see that you didn't just stick it at number one or number two just because. And I didn't think you would, but I wouldn't have faulted you if you didn't. I mean, if you did, you know, what I mean, that would be your choice.
1: But right. I'm glad
0: you put the same amount of thought into it that
1: I did. (laughs) Loop Hero being number two for me, though, that game almost made number one. I've never played a game like that. That game was uh, crazy. And if I would have had Loop Hero any higher, it likely would have placed. Sure.
0: But I I stuck it at number five, so that kind of hurt that one a bit. Did you pick up Loop Hero? Um, I didn't. It was free on Epic the other day. I tagged it, but I haven't played it. It was free on Epic, man. No, I know I tagged it. That's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. I have it now. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I, I never actually played it yet. Okay. So maybe that would have been higher. It's so fun. But I But I don't know. I just don't know. I still don't think it's more innovative than Game Builder Garage.
1: No, I don't think so either.
0: Yeah. Moving on to the Thunderdome Award. These are the four winners of Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4 Thunderdome. We had Cyber Shadow, Mario Golf Super Rush, Life is Strange True Colors, and Back for Blood. And remember what the Thunderdome award is, the way that I rank it, which one really deserved to be the Thunderdome winner? That's kind of how I rank this. Number four is Back for Blood for me. Number three is Cyber Shadow. Number two is Mario Golf Super Rush. And number one is Life is Strange
1: True Colors. Number four for me, Back for Blood. Number three, Mario Golf Super Rush. Number two, Cyber Shadow. And number one, Life is Strange True Colors. And that is pretty close to
0: mine. I think you had two things swapped around. Yeah, number three and number two were swapped for us. Yeah, which gives us a dual runner up in Cyber Shadow and Back for Blood with four points apiece. And your winner with seven points is Life Is Strange: True Colors for the yeah. Thunderdome Award this year.
1: Yep i I think it's the best game out of those four. I think it's the one that deserved the win out of those four. And again, I I just adored this game. And, you know, and I'm glad we didn't have any big stinkers out of Thunderdome this year, like Cyberpunk. No, all, or the show. all four of those, all the show, all four of
0: those were solid Thunderdome winners. Solid right? releases. Like, yeah. did I expect Back for Blood to win? Absolutely not. I definitely did not expect that to get the Thunderdome winner last quarter. Stupid Sean. But I am very excited to move into Thunderdomes for 2022 because we're going to be doing them a little bit different. Yeah. We're not going to have Sean. We change it just We're a not going to have Sean. Yeah, we do. We don't have Dan and Sean anymore, really, as regulars on the show. So they won't be contributing anymore to Thunderdome. But so we're going to rely on, uh, on the patrons more. And we'll see how that throws a wrench into things because I have a feeling it will. <laughs> it definitely will. <laughs> It'll be fun though. Our list should hold things together mostly, but I expect uh, Sev and and Jexax and and Zanku to and, and Joe eventually and anyone else that signs up for Patreon. I, I expect these guys to fully mess everything up for us as we get into 2022. But that's the name of the game, man. That's the beauty of Thunderdome. That's you just how never know what to expect. You never know what to expect. You might see MLB the Show 21 or 22. Just pull out another victory. Probably not. (laughs) Oh, man. It's all been building up to this, though. We've been talking for a little over an hour and a half now. We're closing in on that hour and 40 minute mark. That's kind of where I expect. I knew this show would be close to two hours. The awards always are. By the time we're done discussing Game of the Year and and a little bit of wrap up stuff after. We'll be at close to that two hour mark. So we fell kind of where I thought we would. But let's talk Game of the Year. We had six nominees for Game of the Year this year. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village, Returnal, It
1: Takes Two, Metroid Dread, and Inscription. And we had to whittle this list down a bit. We had nine or ten at first and said that's too many. Yes. We didn't want to have too many. I think six
0: is okay. That's why we had... uh, There were two categories with six. I didn't really want to do that much more than six because I wanted to have... Definitive lists, right? Like, I didn't want to be like, "All right, every game that released, tap can lay up for potential." What's the game of the year? No, these are, in my opinion, the six best games that released this year. Right. And this is a really, really strong list. And you and I have not discussed this prior no. to now. None of none of these are. I, I, you don't right. know how I ranked it. I don't know how you ranked for any of these. I'm, I'm doing yours live as we go in terms of the calculations. And honestly, I think I probably struggled the most with Ranking game of the year this year.
1: This one came six
0: through four were pretty easy. Yeah, this one came two and one were hard. Three, two, and one were really hard for me. And I hate having to rank any of these in last. This is how it goes. Number six for me is Metroid Dread. Number five is It Takes Two. Number four is Inscription. Number three is Resident Evil Village. Number two is Returnal. And number one, my game
1: of the year for 2021. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. Interesting list, Brian. Boy, our lists couldn't be more different. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. They <laughs> could not I'm be confident. any more different, bud. And I I don't know how this is going to make the actual lineup go. Yeah. I'm hoping it gives us a definitive winner. I really am. I'm hoping for a not a dual winner here.
1: All right. Number Let's six, see. Returnal. Number five, Resident Evil Village. Number four, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which were your one, two, and three. Or I my know. four, five, and six. Number three, Metroid Dread. Number two, Inscription. Number one, My Game of the Year was It Takes Two. That does give us an
0: official
1: winner Holy and hell. an official runner up. Holy I am hell. shocked.
0: I am shocked that it actually came out that way. I thought for sure we were going to have a tie for one of those, but we didn't. We do, however, have a four way tie for our runner runner up. <sighs> <laughs> Three points apiece, all to Resident Evil Village, Returnal, Metroid Dread, and Inscription. They all ended with three points. Your runner-up with four points is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. And the RPG era, game of the year for 2021, with six points is It
1: Takes Two. I, um, I could, I, honestly, I can't speak highly enough about this game. I played through this game, um... Knowing that I was going to kind of enjoy it and my wife and I, you know, played through it in co-op, couch co-op together. Once we started It Takes Two, uh, we couldn't put it down and it kept surprising us. As the game continues, you think it's going to be one thing and then and then it just keeps going and it goes and it goes and it changes as it goes. And you're never playing the same game for more than... Maybe an hour or two at a time before it throws something else at you and you've got to learn how to do something else and new puzzles new challenges new bosses and every step of the game is different and they I can't believe that
0: I'm not upset that this is our winner because even though I haven't played it takes two.
1: I know that if I ever get a chance to play it with somebody, I will love it. It's just brilliant, Brian. It, it And they did such a, such an amazing job with level design and the voice acting is really good. The graphics are gorgeous. They really nailed every aspect of this game for me. And I mean, I, I'll i probably play it again next year. I think Lindsay and I will will sit down. We'll go through it one more time just to have another fun time with it. It was much longer than I anticipated. 12 to 15 hours for a co-op game is not a short experience when you're sitting on the couch next to somebody. I mean, that's a lot of time spent together. And you have to learn how to work together. The two of you just have to be so in tune with each other and how you're using your skills and abilities. And I think we'll switch controllers next time. I think I'll probably play the wife. She'll play the husband just to kind of get a different experience. And it will be a different game for us. There are entire sections of levels where the two characters are split up and you're doing separate things. And so you're 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 getting a different experience out of the game by playing as a different character. And I'm really excited to go through and do it again next year. It's just a really, really brilliant game. I will say Inscription is my number two. I've talked to that game up enough. I think everybody knows that I've just totally loved that game. My number three game of the year, um, and not on this list, and I don't think it probably deserved to be on this list, but if I had to choose a personal number three, it's New Pokemon Snap. It was a really special game for me this year. I loved every minute I spent with it. I still go back and play some of the levels occasionally with my kids. And it's that was a really fun game. Didn't deserve to be on this list. Uh, But you and I, I think, are going to on an upcoming Media Files episode, talk our favorite games of the year as well, just to kind of bleed over a little bit of this conversation into into that podcast as well. That'll be fun to do. Yeah, that'll
0: definitely be fun to do. Um, my number one and two being Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and Returnal are my legit one and two this year. I, I love Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I think everything that that game just got correct. And, you know, had, had we been doing reviews for RPG or it was leveled on games.com still at the time, but had we still been doing reviews this year, like we actively were doing in years prior, I would have been tempted to
1: score Ratchet and Clank at 10. I would have been very tempted. It's a really, really solid experience from start to finish. So polished. So beautiful. Fun nonstop. I loved that game. Returnal, I think, was a huge
0: snub at the official game awards for Game of the Year. Um, I I think that game, for what it was when it came out, before they, you know, adjusted the difficulty, before they they added the save states and everything, I thought that game was insanely special because I couldn't get through it. And if a game like that challenges me so much that I can't get through it, I'm hooked. That's why I play Dark Souls. That's why I play Bloodborne. That's why I play From Software games. I like that challenge and I like difficulty if I'm seeking difficulty Now games where I'm not necessarily Seeking the challenge like if I just want to see The story or or Things like that I maybe don't appreciate The hardness to it but games That I'm actively going in Knowing I'm looking for A challenging experience And it's generally only from software games that I That I go into that thinking that but I knew right. With Returnal I was going to Have to go in with that mindset and I'm Glad that I did because I Probably would have given up Hours upon hours before I actually stopped playing. And it's not that I've given up. I just haven't gone back to it since they added all of the changes. And I will, but I'm not going to take as much pride in defeating it when I beat it now. Sure.
1: Yeah, no. And it's a it's a game that I think I eventually will pick up and, and put a lot of hours into at some point. I'm actually sad you didn't play it when it was at its hardest. Yeah, I think, I think I would have enjoyed it most at that level. It was so
0: difficult to get through. It was so punishing. The simplest, stupidest mistake could set you back for hours and... Every time I would die, I would be right back in there trying again. Like, there were so many times that I would lose four or five hours of
1: progress, get upset, smoke a ball of weed, and I'd be right back in there playing again. I'm interested to see how we have this exact same conversation in two months when Elden Ring comes out. (laughs) I hope that you're able to stick with Elden Ring.
0: I hope so, too, man. I hope that that's something you can get through, because I know... I think Elden Ring is going to be more similar to Bloodborne than anything else. Uh, We'll see. In in terms of its speed and in terms of its style. Sure. So I'm hoping that you're able to get through it because I know From Software gives you a bit of a run for your money in terms
1: of difficulty. It's, uh, man. And you know what? I I don't know. I never no. The only one I've played is Bloodborne and I hated it See, so much. I, I, think, I think Sekiro would kick your ass, dude.
0: Probably. That is the hardest from software game that I've played to date. I yeah, probably would. It, it is very difficult. I didn't think I would get through it. I'm shocked that I did. Um, I can't wait for Elden Ring. <laughs> I can't wait for Elden Ring. Oh, my God. I can't wait. It looks number wonderful. three. If I had to actually say like my number three game of the year, not on this list, I probably would put Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy as my personal number three. Smart. Like, that would probably be my personal number three for Game of the Year.
1: Great game, too. Um,
0: it really is. Resident Evil Village would still be in my top five this year, though. Like, I don't think that slips out of the top five in my personal Game of the Years for, for this year. Man, you know, and looking back on all these games, what a strong list to everything everything that we talked about not only just the game of the year categories but every game that we talked yeah. about across all 21 of these categories it was a pretty good year it Solid was not year. the strongest year right it was definitely not the strongest year we've seen significantly stronger years
1: yeah and I don't think I had any 10.0 this year personally speaking I don't think I had any 10.0 um, where last year we had multiple what would you have given inscription inscription I would have given either a 9 or a nine five. probably a 9 Okay. Yeah. Because I think that would probably be the closest to a 10 for you this year would have been that game. No, I think it takes two. I would have given a nine five. You think so? Yeah. Um, Inscription, I would have given a nine. Metroid Dread, a nine. Mm, Axiom Verge, two a nine, probably. I hope
0: next year you and I are able to find time to get some reviews going again. Because those were always fun. And seeing how we scored things. Because one of your predictions for 2021, I remember is that Level Down Games would not give out any 10 out of 10s this year. And that's true. That actually happened
1: because we didn't do that many reviews. <laughs> because we didn't give any re- reviews, so no tens. Yeah, but I, exactly. I, I mean, personally speaking, I wouldn't have. There's no games I played where I would have given a nine. Ratchet and Clank, I would have given a nine, probably a nine five. Honestly, see,
0: that's the that's the only one where if I wrote that review, I would have likely gave it a ten. Yeah, that might have been the only ten we gave as an outlet, and that would have just been because that's my preference. Sure. That game could be a 9 or a 9-5, but I think I would have probably leaned into the 10.
1: Well, this is the second year in a row where you and I have a different top three. A totally different top three.
0: It is, and that's exciting. That's and great. I have to assume 2022 is going to be very similar. I hope so. I think looking ahead to next year and you know beyond, let's let's say 2022 and 2023, I think we're in store for two really, really strong back-to-back years for gaming. We're going to see a lot of titles that oh, should yeah. have released in 2021 come out next year because of all the delays from COVID. So this year likely could and should have been stronger. But I think 2022 is, is going to be one of these stronger years that we've seen in a while I, in terms of releases. I completely agree, yeah.
1: Even just in the first few months, we've got so many big things coming out. Yeah, just, I mean, just looking ahead a little bit, like, to to some of the stuff that we are
0: anticipating for 2022. I mean, we already talked about it, but Elden Ring is on the horizon, coming out on February 25th. On the A week horizon. prior, I was going to say, a week prior is Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, that that should be a solid freaking 10 days of gaming right there. Yeah. Um, And I mean, if we even go like a week and a half before that, Dying Light 2 finally comes out, which likely is going to be really strong. Um, In March, we have Babylon's Fall, Gran Turismo 7, Triangle Strategy, all in the same day, basically. Like Babylon's Fall is on the third. Gran Turismo 7, Triangle Strategy are on March 4th. That's going to be a strong week. I think that week should be probably the strongest week of, of 2022 outside of like getting later into the year. Sure. Um I mean Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin the uh you know kind of Dark Souls take on Final Fantasy that should be great Pokemon Legends Arceus um, Pokemon Legends Arceus in January Tiny Tina's Wonderlands the uh you know the RPG that Gearbox and and Borderlands series is doing should be strong um Forspoken looks really good looks crazy. coming in May Saints Row getting that reboot in August Starfield is obviously coming in November, and then we have a ton of unknowns. We know Bayonetta three is coming next year. Probably we Breath of the Wild two. Expect I was going to say Breath of the Wild two. Uh, according to Pierce Schneider and IGN, that is currently targeting November. Um, I, we're I mean,
1: we're expecting at, at least Suicide Squad and Harry Potter next year,
0: and um, Gotham Knights. Uh, we already talked about it. Gotham Knights and Marvel's Wolverine, uh, if uh, they all make uh, it. I- Uh, we know that there is potential for Final Fantasy stuff, whether it be, you know, the actual surprise release of 16, because I think that actually still is possible. I do too. Um, Mario Rabbids Spark of Hope is next year.
1: Uh, this open world Sonic game. The open world Sonic Frontiers. Yeah, that should be insane.
0: Kirby in the, in the Forgotten Land. Forsaken Land or Forgotten Land or whatever it's called. The Forsaken Souls. That'll be insane. It looks crazy. Um there's a new Star Ocean coming next year for oh the RPG boy. fans. Splatoon 3 should be huge next year. Uh next year we should actually get that uh Shredder's Revenge, Teenage Mutant yes, Ninja Turtles that as well come out. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Trek to Yomi from Devolver Digital and Flowed Wine Hog, the one that kind of looks like Ghost of Tsushima, uh-huh. I think looks incredible. Sifu? Uh, Sifu looks incredible. We will finally get the next gen updates to Cyberpunk and The Witcher maybe. Oh, boy. <laughs> Which I'm actually excited about, I gotta say. I am too. I think uh, I think next year has potential to be really strong. And I think there are still a lot of unknowns. That we don't know for 2022. I still think there are a lot of announcements to come. I think there are a lot of surprises to come for 2022. I don't think we know everything that's releasing yet. I don't even think we know know half of what's releasing yet.
1: Isn't that exciting? It's so
0: exciting to look forward into this year. Dude, uh, Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is another, like, massive... Excellent looking JRPG that's coming next year. Next year is going to be strong for so many different genres and categories. I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. King of Fighters. Probably the new Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 12 likely will be a, a release next year. I have to assume that gets announced or in the in first Justice Three. Or Injustice 3. One of the two. One of the two will get announced by NetherRealm. Um, I actually believe the rumors that Microsoft might be making a move on NetherRealm. I could could see them becoming a first-person studio, first-party studio. Uh, and if Microsoft can get their hands on Mortal Kombat, why wouldn't they? Exactly. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And I I mean, I think 11 being on Game Pass is our sign that, that something is happening behind the scenes there.
1: Well, tune in next week to the Crystal Ball episode to hear Brian tune predict that Microsoft week.
0: picks up NetherRealm. I don't think I will, because I think that one's actually pretty obvious for 2022. I will likely mention it. You and I are going to have a fun discussion next week, too, on on yep. the Nintendo Switch. Because we're not going to make any predictions on the Switch, but you and I are are polar opposites with what we think is going to happen with Nintendo in in 2022. So we're actually going to segment that into its own discussion for for our predictions. But this was fun. I I was looking forward to doing this. I'm glad that we got through it. I'm glad all of the winners were who they were. I think everybody that did win the categories this year for the RPG Era Awards were the rightful winners. Yeah, no big upsets. Uh, I, I, I have no arguments. Yeah, no no upsets, and I have no arguments with who won. I really don't. And I really don't know how we'll ha- hit, like tackle this next year because next year I think is going to be so much stronger. I think we're going to have a much harder time next year figuring out our nominees and actually narrowing it down.
1: Well, man, the next time we sit down, it'll be twenty
0: twenty two. I know it'll be December twenty something of twenty twenty two. We'll be another year older, another year closer to death. Uh, who knows what? Who knows what'll happen? I mean, look Who what happened what in the past happen.
1: 12 calendar months of the, this year. Who would have thought I would be where I'm at now? Single we're gonna, again. We're going to go from a pandemic to a fun We're all having the fun, pandemic baby. to a fun That's the goal. <laughs> That's, That's the, the goal. goal
0: for 2022. <laughs> That's going to wrap up the RPG Arrow Awards for 2021, though. Thank you so much for sticking around, listening to it, uh, listening to Kyle and I kind of ramble on about why we appreciated all of these games. Shout out to everybody that voted on Patreon. You guys are awesome. Shout out to those, uh, I think Frank, Sev did some voting for for the staff. I don't think Bedrock anyone else really helped some. out. Bed- Bedroth might have helped out a little bit. Uh, I don't think Sean or Dan really contributed much. Um, you know, we, we had a blast doing this. I always enjoy putting this together. I'm looking forward to doing it next year. But Kyle, I think there's only one way to close out a of a podcast. We can't do it any other way. We got to show him your pee-pee. Brian,
1: there's only one PP to give them right at the end of the year. It's the day after Christmas for you and I. And I think we all know what needs to happen right now. Last Christmas, Last Christmas <laughs> gave you my heart, and the very next day, you gave it away. Everybody, this year, to save me from tears, tears, I'll give it, it to someone special.
0: I didn't say special right. Special.
1: Special.
0: Happy holidays from RPG Era. This episode of the Max Level Podcast has been brought to you by RPGera.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review, regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check us out on YouTube and Twitch, and make sure you're subscribed or following at both places with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media, as well as to our Discord server, and all other important information can be found in the show notes for this episode. Yeah.